Let us turn now to Psalm 82 as we study it together. And please have your Bible open and follow along with me. But as we study the Psalms, it is always, always good to remember the first two Psalms, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, because they act as a, a gateway into the whole book of Psalms and they help us with other Psalms as well. And in Psalm 1, we are reminded not to walk with the wicked, but to walk the way of God. So that we would be planted like a tree by the streams of water. In other words, that we would be planted in Christ. And we've thought about that this year already. But then in Psalm 2, the psalmist questions, why are the nations against God? Why do they conspire against him, against the Lord's anointed one? And again, the, 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 the rulers and the judges, those who are against God, are going to be judged, we're told. And then Psalm 1 begins with, blessed is the man. And Psalm 2 ends with, blessed is the man who takes refuge in our God. Psalms 1 and 2 help us interpret the other Psalms as well in a more difficult like Psalm 82. Because in Psalm 82 we see injustice. And one of our human responses in life is a sense of injustice. We might have felt that sense of injustice maybe on in a sporting decision or occasion. Or maybe even in a court case that we've been following or a high profile case. But whatever we have that injustice feeling in our stomachs from time to time. And speaking in his BE day speech. Winston Churchill about Japan said this, the injury she has inflicted on Great Britain, the United States and other countries and her detestable cruelties call for justice and retribution. So 75 years ago, there was a sense that justice needed to be served. And when this psalm is written, there's a sense where justice needed to be served. Because it appears that those in authority were not just. And so the psalmist reminds these judges that although they judge, God will judge them. The judges will be judged. So you see in Psalm 82 almost like a confused judicial situation scenario. And God brings some much needed clarity into the psalm. So let us look at Psalm 82 together. Firstly, in verse 1, God is our judge, or God is judge. You see it clearly there that God presides in the great assembly. So this is our picture of God in the place of judges and rulers where judgments are made, decisions are made. And we are told that in this great assembly, he gives judgment among the gods. He presides over them. The psalm shows us that God is this chief judge, the primary judge, the supreme judge. The judge who will judge the judges is God. You'll notice in your translation that it'll be, he gives judgment among the gods. Who are these gods in verse 1 then? Well, they could be false gods, or they could be angels or demons. Much has been written and debated, but with the judicial scene we have here and the context from scripture it appears to be about the judges in Israel 
in the book of Exodus 21, in giving the regulations, in verse 6 it says, Then the master must take him before the judges. But the actual translation, the word is God's. And then the same in Exodus 22, that they must appear before the judges. But the word judges is translated God's. It is the word in the Hebrew, God, translated into judges. The legal procedures were brought before God. These judges passed on sentences as God's representatives. So in a sense, they were like God. Then in John's Gospel, in chapter 10, Jesus quotes actually verse 6 in this psalm. I said, you are God's. And in John 10, in verse 34, the setting is around the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. And Jesus has been walking to the temple and he answered their questions. And Jesus has said, in verse 30 of John 10, I and the Father are one. Jesus is identifying himself to be God. And with this, the Jews go to pick up stones to stone Jesus. And the Jews tell Jesus they are stoning him for what he has just said. Because he is a man claiming to be God, and that is blasphemous. But as in response, Jesus refers them to Psalm 82, 6. Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's. His point is that if human judges can be called gods, in God's law it was gods and translated into judges, they are called gods not because they literally are gods, but they are God's representatives. And Jesus says, surely the one who is the son of God it should be more rightly addressed to be God. So these gods that we read in Psalm 82 are the judges of Israel. And we will see in just a moment what these judges were like. But we see very clearly that the psalmist wants to remind these gods, these judges, that God is judged. Judgment ultimately belongs to God alone. And scripture, it does emphasize that over and over. In Ecclesiastes 3, and verse 17, we read, He is the one who will judge the righteous and the wicked. In Romans 2, on the final day, the Lord will judge the secrets of men in Christ Jesus. And then in James, speaking of God, James writes, There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. So we have this pattern and theme throughout scripture that tells us that God is judge. And the psalmist, he is reminding the, the proud, the corrupt, the unjust judges, that they will be before the supreme judge and judged. So in our picture in Psalm 82, we have God, in verse 1, giving judgment among the judges. And the human judges are now before this judge that they are supposed to represent and they are accused. Because in verses 2 through to 7, God speaks. God speaks. He brings the judges a charge and a judgment upon them. But let us break these verses 2 through to 7 into, two, or into three parts. Firstly, God speaks to describe what is going on. 
in verses 2 to 4. The judges, they are meant to be people who protect, who are supposed to protect others, protect those who cannot protect themselves. And God is about to show us how corrupt these judges are. Look at verse 2. God is asking how long. This is a new pattern that they have found themselves in. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? They are corrupt. They are perverting justice. They are supporting the wicked rather than sentencing them. They are not executing judgment as they ought. But verses 3 and 4, God speaks and he tells them what they ought to be doing. God tells them that they are to defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Rescue the weak. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The judges are supposed to defend, maintain, rescue and deliver Why? Because, well, they are supposed to be God's representatives. And God cares for the vulnerable and the weak. God embraces all life. Doesn't matter of background or bank account. And we as Christians should care for the weak, the needy, the vulnerable. That is why it is right for Christians to speak up regarding life and abortion. For, to speak up for the most vulnerable in our society, it is right to do so. Because God's desire is justice for the weak and the vulnerable. And maybe you feel weak and vulnerable. Maybe you feel as though you have experienced injustice in your life. Maybe through your family circumstances. What you've experienced as a, a child or what you've endured as an adult. The pain that you have felt. You wonder why in question. Does God really care well? Yes. Verses 3 and 4 tell us that. You may feel as though you've been let down by the judicial system or the government. You might feel as though justice has not been served the way it should have done. There might be that fire in your stomach, yet that extreme bitter disappointment. With that great anxiety, worry and doubt about yourself and your value. But let me point you one to one who would humble himself and become human just like us. Because in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, we see how much God cares for the weak, the poor, the vulnerable, the heartbroken and the guilty. He would identify with injustice. He would identify with pain and suffering. He would know those cast out by society and he would love them. Where there was nowhere else for them, no one else to look near them or to speak to them or to care for them or to love them. Jesus did. Jesus. Not only would he go to the weak and the vulnerable, the fatherless, but Jesus himself would experience the injustice and die on the cross. If you're awake, vulnerable, feel as though you're an outcast from society, let me say that the church is the place for you because the church is the place where you find Jesus. You find Jesus worshipped because in the comfort and union road, 
Jesus is our saviour. And Jesus is for the weak, the defenceless, the humble, the poor, the vulnerable. Because he would endure and suffer the injustice of the cross so that all of us might be free. Free from sin and guilt. Where instead of being an outcast in society, he brings us in as part of his family. Instead of tears of bitterness, because of the injustice that we've experienced in our lives, we have tears of joy because of Jesus. He died for you, the weak, the vulnerable, the outcast, the needy, the oppressed. During lockdown, some of the many UK theatre productions have been putting up online some plays for us to watch and to enjoy. And the National Theatre has put up an adaptation of Frankenstein, uh, portrayed the monster portrayed by Benedict Cumberbatch. And in the adaptation based on the book by Mary Shelley, you get to see parts of the monster's life that are not fully revealed in the book. You get hints that the, that the monster had a, a, a difficult time at the beginning of his life. But in the play, you're able to see and experience as part of the watching crowd how much the monster was beaten, how often the monster was ill-treated by society as he roamed about from place to place because everyone is frightened of this monster because he is hideous, ugly, weird in every way. So they either beat him or run away and ignore him. But eventually the monster finds his way to a farmhouse and he meets an old man, but the old man is blind. So he cannot see what Frankenstein's monster really looks like. The blind man cannot see how hideous the monster is. So the old man, he, well, he feeds him. He teaches him, he cares for this monster. And they have that emotional connection. But then his family come back and the monster has to flee. See, maybe for many of you, you might feel like Frankenstein's monster, created with no purpose. You might feel as though everyone is looking to avoid you. People are looking to oppress you and ignore you. People don't care for you. Come to Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives us purpose in our lives. Jesus, he doesn't avoid you. But he actually comes looking for you. He doesn't oppress you but sets you free from sin. And he will show how much he cares for you through his love for you. Christ, he sees all our mess. Jesus sees how hideous we are. Yet he still bothers with us that he would lay down his life for you. He rescues the weak and the needy just like us. These judges, they are supposed to be reflective of God, defending and caring for the weak, the needy, the defenseless. But they aren't doing any of those things. That old blind man in Frankenstein couldn't see the hideous monster. But yes, Christ sees how hideous we are and he chooses to love you. But you need to turn to him, run to him. In verses 2 to 4, God speaks, showing what these judges should have been like, caring for people like us. 
And after God shows them what they should have been doing, God speaks to explain in verse 5 what they are like. Perhaps you have uttered the phrase, what are they like? Referring maybe to politicians or the family or maybe even speaking about somebody or something that you shouldn't have been. Well, what they are like, these judges are explained in verse 5. And there is a sense, I think, of disbelief perhaps. For these judges are supposed to be wise, caring and just. But these these judges' morality, all judges' morality are supposed to be an example for everybody else. And boy, does verse 5 tell us that these judges are so not fit for office. It's almost a sarcastic use of the word God. See, although they claim to be wise, they are actually fools in the sight of God. Because they, in their position, they reject God's rule and reject his word and refuse it. They judge, but they are oblivious to God's plan for justice, his standards and his rules. They are ignorant of God's justice, of God's way to do justice, namely verses 3 and 4. They do not understand why God has set out this way of justice. So instead they look after the wicked. They show favoritism, maybe because it is their friends that they are sitting with the scoffers or getting backhanders. They are morally blind and they are spiritually blind. Because the psalmist tells us they are in darkness. And because they are in darkness, they know nothing. Well, all the foundations of the world are unstable. They are shaken. There is much confusion and instability, both in the courts and politically. The judges know nothing and they understand nothing. They are spiritually blind and their morality is corrupt and deficient. See, there can be no stability in governments where God is not honoured. If God is not honoured, how could there be stability in society? When God's social order is destroyed because the weak, the fatherless, the poor, the needy are disregarded and disrespected and forgotten about. John Calvin says that good government will always maintain the rights of the weak and the afflicted. Isn't he right? (laughs) These judges act like they know everything, but in the reality they know nothing. They understand nothing. Why is that? They've been ignoring the word of God. How can they expect to know and understand justice if they are ignoring the words from the one who created the world? Because they ignore God's word, which is, remember, light for us, they walk in darkness. They have no idea what to do or what is going on because they are in the dark. They do not look to the light of God's word that would direct them and to guide them. That would only give them wisdom and understanding so that they'd be able to carry out their duty in a proper manner and way. It's just a a subtle reminder for us here that we need to be looking to the light of God's word, us personally, but also those in authority. Because God's word gives wisdom and understanding when it is illumined to us through his spirit. We need to be walking in the light rather than the darkness. And these judges, well, they walk in darkness. They have no idea what they are doing. So how 
could they be expected to get anything right? It's like playing that party game that you might have done with your children or as a child yourself of pin the tail on the donkey where you're blindfolded and you, you make your way up to the poster and try and pin the tail on the right end. Or maybe whacking a pinata in a blindfold if you've done that. Just swinging aimlessly. Well, that is like these judges. They're in the total dark. They don't understand anything. And they're swinging aimlessly. That is what they're doing. And the consequence is that all around them is not the way it should be. For the foundations of the earth are shaken. Order is not maintained. The weak are helpless. The wicked are shown favour. The poor and the oppressed, instead of being lifted up, they are put down. Therefore, society is shaken. It is unstable. Tell me that's not the nations today. Of course it is. Walking in darkness, where the weak are not defended, where the cause of the weak and the oppressed are squashed. If that happens, then God's word tells us society is shaken. It is unstable. Laws which destroy God's social order, whether it be marriage or abortion. How can we expect a stable nation or country or world? God speaks to show them just what they are like. They are hopeless. And then finally in verses 6 and 7, God sentences them. He shows them, verse 6 and 7, what will happen. What will happen to these unjust judges? These judges who are in a position to be God's representatives. So in a sense they are like God. They maybe get on although they were God. Making decisions if they were divine. They really aren't like God at all. Verses 6 and 7 he says. You, I said you are gods. You are all sons of the most high. Verse 7, but you will die like mere men. See, in the Hebrew, men and, or man and Adam is the same word. The word man is Adam. So this could mean that these judges could be just like Adam. Adam was meant to rule over the garden, to work and to guard the garden. The serpent said, eat this and you will be like God. Adam wants to be like God in the garden and these men, these judges want to be like God and they will suffer just the exact same fate as Adam. As all men will, they will die. Despite their lofty position in this world where they are God's appointments on earth, they are directly accountable to the supreme judge. Despite their height in society, they will fall to the very depths. They will die just like everyone else. God put them in positions of power and he will take them away again. They will be destroyed. Because they, like the nations and the princes of Psalm 2, that are shattered and destroyed because they are against God. And that is what's going to happen here as well. And then finally, after God has finished speaking in verse 8, the psalmist offers up a prayer, a petition. 
And in verse 8, our final point, it is simply, God will judge. God is our final judge. These human judges were called to be just and do justice. They are accountable to God, so God will punish them. They have a God-like position because they hold the issues of life and death in their hands. They must not show favour to the wicked. And, well, they will be judged. Those who have lives in their hands will be judged. Whether it is governments and advisors to world health organisations, to those advising on abortion, etc., etc., they will be judged. They have a position of responsibility and power. And if they ignore God's word, they will be judged. And just like the judges at the end, in verse 7, they are just like man, they will die and so too will we. But we have a hope in Jesus. We too will be judged. Jesus will judge. He will judge the earth and inherit the nations. And one day we will all stand before the final judge. Verse 8 is this prayer. Rise up, O God, judge the earth. For all the nations are your inheritance. The psalmist is pleading with God that he would come and execute judgment over the whole world. These earthly rulers are not just. So Lord, I pray that you would come. These judges are failing, but Lord, come. Come and defend the cause of the weak and the fatherless. Come to rescue the weak, to maintain the rights of the poor, to deliver us from the wicked. And this judgment will come. God will judge all the earth. And as the psalmist prays, prays, surely our prayer is for the return of Jesus. With all that is going on in our world, with all the injustice, with all the corruption, with all the evil laws. Not until Jesus returns will there be perfect justice on this earth. And we pray that Jesus would come and inherit this earth. So as we were reminded this morning in Ephesians, we are adopted. We cannot help but see how the fatherless need God's help in Psalm 82 and our help. We see our own sin in this psalm, don't we? Our feelings in looking after the weak and the vulnerable, defending the weak, maybe endorsing the wicked too. But we praise God for Jesus because without Jesus, we are poor and we are fatherless. We are oppressed by sin and we are in desperate need. We thank God for giving us his only son, Jesus, the one who defends us and justifies us, the one who delivers us and frees us and rescues us. So now we are no longer poor and fatherless, but we are rich and we have an eternal heavenly father. Judges and nations and individuals, they may well be against God. They might make judgments, although they are God, They pretend to be divine, telling people what you should do, what everyone should do based on their belief system or psychology. But God speaks. He will judge them and he will judge us. 
He will punish them and he will punish us. Unless we turn to the rescuer, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Let us spend just a few moments praying for our nation that God indeed would come and judge, that they would seek his face as they go about judging, as they have a great responsibility. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we praise you that you are the ultimate judge. Father, we thank you that one day there will be perfect justice. And Lord, that you will serve it. And Father in heaven, we pray for our governments and our judges. Father, that they would not be set against you. That they would not be endearing with the wicked. Father, that they would indeed defend Maintain the rights of the poor, rescue the weak, and deliver us from the wicked. Father, we pray that they would seek knowledge, that they would seek understanding and wisdom. And Father, we pray that as they seek it, they would find it in you and in your word. And Father, if they are against you, Lord, bind their disrespect of you. Lord, change them overpower them may they submit to you for we pray like the psalmist rise up O god and judge the earth for all the nations are your inheritance lord may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven may jesus come to judge and we pray through the strong powerful liberating name of Jesus Christ, our rescuer. Amen. To close our service of worship, we're going to sing a song that reflects that God rules over all. He rules over all things despite what goes on in this earth because Jesus reigns, because he is king forevermore.